All right, we are back from the break. This will be part two of Dustin's uh, personal story here. So, Dustin, thanks for walking us through kind of start to finish your upbringing, uh, meeting your wife, getting married, overcoming some some serious challenges with cancer and things like that, and uh, ultimately becoming parents. And um, so in this part, what we'd like to do is start a little bit at the beginning in, in the uniqueness of your upbringing and in, in that whole dynamic and get into kind of the lessons learned and things maybe you're realizing now as a dad that you didn't learn earlier on um, that we can kind of dive into. So uh, I think Justin actually has a good question to maybe kick off that whole topic here for us. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we were neighbors and, you know, there was things I didn't know about you that I thought, you know, I knew everything about you because we were so close. Uh, So how long were you a spy for and why didn't you tell me? One. And uh, no, all joking aside, like what... You said you had to keep secrets. Can you can you elaborate a little bit on, you know, what that was like and and how that affected you throughout you know life and fatherhood and things like that? So I don't think I had to keep secrets. I think I had just gotten in the habit of it. And this is not just me. I think a lot of men, for whatever reason, aren't comfortable sharing. It it's, uh, requires some vulnerability. Um, Maybe my friends will laugh at me or think I'm less of a person, or maybe I'll hurt someone's feelings. That's usually if I'm, if I don't tell the whole truth to someone, it's because I don't want to hurt their feelings. So it's kind of a lie by omission in that regard. So uh, I think when any kind of major part of your life does have to be kept, you know, a secret to some extent, you just develop that skill where you say, okay, well, this is just easier to not talk about it. And so I'm just going to keep that to myself. And uh, I think it, it led me to, not have as much energy as I could have, um, not as not have as much creativity as I could have, because I was spending that energy and that creativity on this useless task of trying to keep track of, you know, various things that I, I was not being completely honest, you know, about. And so uh, that was a really important learning thing f- for me was to understand that this is for me, this isn't for other people that you just tell the truth. I mean, being honest with other people is a great thing. And it's beautiful. But the main benefit of being honest with other people is that it frees you to be the person you want to be. And, uh, and so as I've gotten older, I think this is the decade where I really know that I'm going to be my fully authentic self and just tell people how it is. And it's so much more satisfying. It's so much easier because I don't have to impress anybody anymore. Um, you know, I'm kind of in that stage of my life where I'm pretty successful. I've I've got a lot of good things going for me. I've got great friends that I respect. I have a network of other men who are also respected and, you know, and powerful. I mean, this is a, this is an amazing decade for if, if you're in this era where, you know, we're kind of 35 to 45 age, this is where we might have the biggest impact on the world, on ourselves This is your biggest earning years. And that feels great. That is a powerful feeling to, um, and you, you don't, you can be honest about that and project and be confident and say, this is, you know, this is who I am. Um, I'm kind of a big deal <laughs> you know, in that regard. And so, <laughs> you, you know, it, it is a little bit easier when, when who you are is already, I mean, you guys are pretty impressive men. And so when you're already, you know, pretty impressive, why would I be dishonest and try to be even more impressive and make things up? There's no need for that because you're already awesome. Uh, and so, um, building a life to where you have that kind of confidence and to where you feel good about what you've done. You're proud of your family. Um, you're proud of your work. Um, you're proud of your creative endeavors. I'm so proud of our podcast. 
it's grown incredibly. We're reaching a ton of people. Um, it's really exciting and it's a huge source of pride for me. I love talking about it. People can tell my eyes light up when I give them the, the business card and I go, Hey, scan the QR code, <laughs> you know, like, and subscribe. <laughs> and it's, it's the best feeling. And, uh, there's nothing That's to actually hide how there. we have all our subscribers is because <laughs> Dustin's so big. He, he just, you know, manipulates people to, uh, do it now or else it, you know, we are a mafia here. So this is a true story. I was in a room. You're the muscle. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm the, the heavy. Yeah. Uh, I, I was in a room. We were waking up a patient and I laughed and I pulled out some business cards and I said, all right, I'm not waking this patient up until you guys subscribe to the podcast. <laughs> They're like, wait, really? And I said, kind of kidding, but I'm kind of not. They're like, oh, you're, you're the worst. They all subscribe and then patient woke up and it was <laughs> I just did that the one time. I promise. That's, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on a serious note, bring it back. What I, what I hear you saying though, is that this, um, whether it was like a defense mechanism or just a habit or whatever, you kind of having all these secrets and having to like, keep up like, who did I tell this and that? And like, what's not, you know, um, it really cut you off from having genuine deep friendships or deeper friendships, um, and brotherhood. Is, is that an accurate assessment? Definitely. Yeah. I I think, um, I still, you know, had great friends and I, and they were small little things. Like I, I never lied about anything major. Um, it would just be like little things I didn't want to talk about, you know, if I was going to be late to something or whatever, I just wouldn't, wouldn't kind of tell the whole truth. Um, and so I think, you know, I'm not very good at lying. Like it's not, you know, thankfully, <laughs> you know, it's not like this amazing <laughs> skill that I have. And so right. it was kind of obvious, like, all right, he's kind of holding something back, but it's not that big of a deal. Like whatever, you know, I'm not going to worry. You about are it. good at, at presenting yourself though, as somebody who's always happy and jolly and just infectious to be around, even though you're hiding, you know, things beneath the surface. Like, and, and there's other people that, you know, probably can tell that, like, I, I feel like I was one of those people, but. I feel like you do a very, very good job of like not letting see, let people see what's, you know, brewing under the surface, so to speak. You're an empath, Justin. Yeah, you can definitely read that. And that is dishonest, right? If you're very unhappy one day, it's not the worst thing to put on a brave face and, you know, try to be nice to people, but it's not 100% honest. Time and place. Yeah, right. If you like breaking <laughs> exactly. down at work all day, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. When especially when you're dealing in the medical field, like you, you need to be making sure the patient stays alive, but. Correct. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think you, I think we're saying in like the right circles, right? Like when you're not having to be on quote unquote, um, you can kind of let, let your guard down. Right. And so all I, guess, three of you, go ahead. I was, yeah. was just going to say, so like the, you identified the problem and now you're learning it or have learned it. How much different are things for you now versus before you really kind of embraced that concept? I'm a lot happier. Uh, it's a lot easier to, uh, to have relationships, um, to, um, uh, to speak to other people. Uh, and I'm more creative now. I, I really do find unique and interesting things that I, I wasn't finding when I was younger because I have this extra creative energy that's not being wasted on, um, you know, keeping track of who I told what, and that, uh, that's been amazing. I'm, I'm really excited. Like I said about this decade, I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be a lot of fun because I have that extra creative energy. You know, I, as men, we have so much to give that if we're only able to give 20 or 30%, that might feel like enough. You know, I, I mean, if, if you're a really competent person, you can give 20, 30% of yourself 
and waste the other 70% on, you know, some men have a porn addiction. Some men have, you know, some, something in their closet they, they don't want to talk about. And they're able to kind of hide that and keep it to themselves and still function and do okay. But imagine if they had that other 70% of that energy to, to just put into their endeavors and give to the world and, and be their authentic self. And that, that's what I'm, I feel like my forties are going to be, and I'm really excited about that. So you, you have all these, these, these traits that you've, you've adapt, adapted to and you've created uh, through your experience. But one of them that stands out for me that I just, uh, I've seen be an insatiable part of your life with whether it's your, your medical field, like getting all those certifications, getting through med school, uh, you know, becoming Quadzilla. I mean, all these different things that you've done, right? You know, the gym, uh, you have this just extreme amount of discipline. Where did you acquire that discipline? Because most men acquire that from like a dad with a hard work ethic or a father figure. Like, did you have father figures in your life that did that? Or was that something you developed through just having to survival mechanism? Like, I'm curious where you got your discipline trait from. My, my grandfather is my model for that. He is 90 years old and he's the Energizer Bunny. The man will not stop. He hasn't retired. He continues to manage hundreds of millions of dollars uh, of his clients' funds. And uh, he gets about six hours of sleep and then he gets up and he rides his bike and he reads the Wall Street Journal. And I, I mean, the man is a sponge. I I don't know many 90-year-olds. He's like Charlie Munger or, uh, um, or Warren Buffett as far as, I mean, his mind is so sharp. And... I don't think I'm going to be that smart <laughs> when I'm his age, but you know, as far as a model of someone uh, who's a true Renaissance man, I mean, just incredible knowledge in, in so many different areas. Uh, he he really taught me a lot of what I wanted to be, and he always told me I could be whatever I wanted, and that I was really special. And um, he does the same for Lucas. I, I mean, seeing my my son with his great grandfather. And the way they interact is so special. It's it's just really amazing. I think the guy's going to be around another twenty years. He's, he's like unkillable <laughs> because he's obsessed awesome. with um, with his health. Uh, he's been eating healthy and not smoking and you know not drinking very much since. I mean, he was born in like the twenties. Like nobody was like that. They just you know yeah. smoked like chimneys and like didn't worry about that kind of stuff. He was well, that. World like, War Two. They issued. I think it was like eight packs a day or it's some ridiculous <laughs> number to every soldier on the line. Man, like literally a carton of cigarettes, like almost daily or something. Yeah, so, and yeah, it was a different time. Yeah, and he was that that weirdo that didn't smoke and uh, you know really took care of his health. And he's ripping the wards right now. He's got like a hundred grandkids or something that, you know, running around and all that. And he, well, he loves it. Not to, not to break to, you know, something monotonous, but, uh, just to let you know, cigarettes back then were made completely different than they are nowadays. There's so much deadlier well, yeah. these days than they were back in World War II. Still, but, still yeah. probably wasn't great that everyone still, was like smoking. Yeah. Like it's it's amazing. The reg. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That discipline saved his life essentially. I think so. Yeah. Um, and I mean, he worked on railroad section gangs and, you know, was, was as broke as you could possibly be. I mean, he's kind of, he's a little bit of a hoarder because he did grow up during the depression. And like, if you had like a toy, like you had a toy and nobody else had that. And you like took care of that because that was going to be your one toy you're going to have for the next like two years. So now he's got a basement full of toys. <laughs> and he's like, nobody's going to take it from me. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think, uh, that kind of restless energy, that, um, intellectual excitement, that creativity, I've always seen it from him. 
he's always on and excited and ready to learn new things and, and take on the day. And that was my model. And I said, okay, this is, this is my blood and this is, this is what I'm going to do. And uh, I can thank him for that, for giving me that model to understand how much fun it is to be uh, kind of a restless uh, intellectual like he is. Hey there, we hope you're enjoying this episode of the Present Fathers Podcast. Our mission is to reach as many men as possible and equip them to be excellent family leaders. We believe that by inspiring and equipping men, we can change bloodlines and positively impact our culture. You can join us on this mission and partner with us today by doing one of two things. First, go to your favorite podcast platform, whether that's YouTube videos or Apple or Spotify, Google, etc., and leave us a review. The way the algorithm works is that it really values reviews, and this helps promote our stories to get them out to more people. The second way you can help is by sharing your favorite episodes with friends and family. Help us get the word out so that we can make a difference in our culture. Thank you for watching, and we hope that you join us in our mission to change lives. That's awesome. Dustin, something you know, we've talked about a lot just kind of in passing and... Um, you hit on it a little bit already with talking about how like, you know, what you want to pass on to your son is knowing how to do things like fix things and just, you know, some of the general like manly quote unquote type things that, you know, just feels like you should know how to do. But on the other side of that same coin a little bit, like, you know, you were raised predominantly by women. Um, and you, you know, you've shared in passing with me too, that kind of like you feel that you missed out on learning key elements of like what a man is, what it means to be a man. Um, you know, not, not a full dimensional is kind of like one dimensional, your understanding of it for a long time. And even how you viewed marriage, right? Because of the way that you were brought up, you kind of just figured marriage wasn't maybe the greatest idea always. So what are some of those lessons that you've learned now? You've kind of seen the stark contrast of what, how you used to think and how different it is now in your marriage and as a father and really kind of the advice or maybe guys who have similar upbringings where they didn't really feel like they had great masculine role models to teach them what a good man is comprehensively um, just kind of expand upon that and any words of wisdom from Dustin based off your experience. So like Brandon, I, I went and found books that filled those holes. Uh, I knew that I didn't necessarily have this obvious role model of, okay, I'm just going to do exactly what I see here. And so uh, I went and I found books. I had a psychology background uh, from, from college. And so I expanded upon that and said, okay, I've seen some things, what not to do, what am I going to do differently? And how do I avoid these pitfalls? And I found some incredible, uh, resources. Um, Dr. Willard Harley, who, uh, you guys were lucky enough to interview. I was, uh, stuck on a flight, not bitter about that at all. Doesn't, doesn't hang with me or bother me or that kind of stuff. It's okay. We <laughs> interviewed your personal hero for you. Okay? So <laughs> I could not we think your, of... we had your back. Okay. And I could not Be think grateful. of grateful. That's right. I'm so grateful. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, reading his needs, her needs was incredibly beneficial. Uh, and, and I found some books that were not helpful. You know, it's interesting. A lot of, um, relationship, uh, books are not helpful. And so our world is, is very interesting. There was kind of the 1984 situation where censorship, right? Where you get, you don't get to know anything, but then there was also the brave new world situation like Aldous Huxley, which I think was more prescient where there's so much information that the, the diamonds in the rough are hidden in plain sight. And all the junk and the the crazy information out there that's not helpful, 
is just bombarding you constantly. And so one of the most important skills that I want to teach my son is how to filter out bad information and how to focus and find the good stuff. Because that as modern men is the hardest thing in the world for us right now is to filter the information's out there, the information, how to have a good life, how to be successful. It's all there. You have to tune out the noise though. And that's not easy. Uh, so, you know, as far as tuning out the noise, that's, that's something that I want to teach my son. And, uh, and I really think that it was finding some, some gems, some really good books that, that were able to kind of teach me and, and practice and have, you know, having someone that I was married to that was willing to work with me on it and say, okay, uh, let's learn about this. Uh, how do we make this better? I was really honest with Kim. I said, look, uh, my dad wasn't around, you know, that, that's kind of my model. I, I don't want that to be us. Uh, 50% of marriages end in divorce. Let's be the other 50%. So we know what not to do. Now let's figure out what to do. And so I've talked about this before the concept of via negativa. Sometimes it's easier to learn from bad things and what not to do than it is to learn, you know, from those good things. Uh, when I was training for anesthesia, I learned the most from people who are really bad at the job. And, uh, you know, maybe in some ways I learned the most about relationships from people who had really bad relationships. These people are yelling at each other all the time. Let's not yell. He hit her that end of the relationship. I mean, it's like, that's kind of a weird example, but like, <laughs> that's pretty basic, right? Like, don't yeah. do that. And so much of successful relationships is what you don't do, you know, versus what you, what you do do, because you can mess up a year of wonderful behavior with a couple of nights of really bad behavior, you know? And, and so a big part of successful work, successful marriage, all that is not doing <laughs> you know, some really basic things. Yeah, man. Uh, so, yep. Sometimes, sometimes just avoiding it is just avoiding the uh, argument lets you cool off enough to, to not say the thing you would have regretted. So yeah. It's definitely a valid point. Um, if you could go back, you know, Dustin today could go back to maybe, you know, 10 year old version of yourself and give you a piece of advice. Um, what would that be? Because uh, you talk about going to books. Was there anything else that maybe like, I wish I would have done that a little bit different? Don't focus so much on grades. I was obsessed with getting that A, with getting that hundred percent, with being the best in the class. Um, we would do around the world, you know, seven times eight. I'd be raising the hand, fifty-six. You know, I had to, I had to win. I had to um, succeed and be the best. And I was so academically rigorous. And if I'd taken ten percent of that effort and put it into some other things, like um, learning about music, learning to paint learning to fix a car, you know, stuff that I'm just atrocious at. Like, you know, if I'm top 1% with academics, I'm bottom 1% with fixing cars, you know? And so be, be someone who's a little better rounded and I'm very, very good at some things that I'm really bad at other things. And I, I wish that I was able to turn that around to where I was a little bit better at the, and so, so I think that'll be another thing. You know, I, I like to think in decades, I like to think, okay, what are my forties going to be like? And I think some of that is going to be shoring up some weaknesses. Um, and targeting some things that I know I'm not very good at. I'm not always present. I've got a million things I'm working on. I want to do podcast edits. Um, I want to work out. I want to, um, you know, respond as quickly as possible to Elon Musk on Twitter to get some impressions, you know, just stupid stuff. Right. <laughs> so, you know, rather than doing that, I want to be present with my family, with my son. And I want to, uh, I want to be a better father in that regard. So, um, if that's a weakness, I want to shore that up and, and, and get better at that kind of stuff. So that would be the advice I'd give to a uh, 10 year old Dustin is uh, one buy Bitcoin as soon as you can. <laughs> and, uh, and two, don't worry about being, you know, top of the top of the class. Um, 
get the good grades, learn the material, be good at it. But um, it's going to be okay if you're number two academically because it's not going to matter when you get older. No, no. Yeah. The, okay, so the grades thing's fascinating me. Was this like a, a thing for acceptance? Like, were you chasing acceptance? What were you What were you chasing after when you did that? Psychoanalyze yourself, Dustin. Uh, I genuinely don't think that's what it was about. Um, I think I was very, very good at academics. Um, I'm still the only seventh grader, I think, to to get every single question right on the Fordham Math League. They've been doing it for like sixty years. And, uh, it's like a hundred question test and I got all hundred, right. And nobody had ever done that before. I don't think anyone has since. And then I peaked. Oh. I was terrible at calculus, but I was really good at algebra for, for some reason. I was like an algebra, like, uh, idiot savant. It was, I didn't, this. I didn't realize we were in the presence of a real mathlete. <laughs> <laughs> this is a new, see, keeping secrets. You've just been holding back from us, bro. It's still, you're not, you're not over it yet. Well, I didn't want to flex on you that hard. Okay. You know, it's a, I mean, being a math I think you're just, you're, you're a very, you know, generous person. And I think you just know that I'm so bad at math. You know, <laughs> so bad. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. I appreciate your kindness in this yeah. moment. And so when, when you're good at something, you want to continue doing it. It's satisfying. It feels good. Uh, and so I think that's where some of that obsession came from. And, you know, grades don't, I mean, I don't want to tell you grades don't matter, but they're not a great indication of learning that they're not great for creativity. If I'd put some of that energy, if I, if I'd thought, okay, school is important and I want to do well, you know, but, but play the game and, and learn some other things outside of that. I think I would have enjoyed it a little more and I might've been more successful. I mean, we'll never know, but uh, you know, if 10 year old Dustin had shored up those weaknesses a little bit and done some other things, I think he would have been happier and maybe a little more successful. So you talk about creativity. Are there some things that you're doing to kind of uh, broaden the horizon for Lucas? And are, is there anything specifically that you think he's going to get to experience in his lifetime that none of us will get to that you're just excited for? There's so much. And I can't even begin to predict what it's going to look like. Uh, he's four. I think he's going to live to be over a hundred. I think most kids who are four who take decent care of themselves will. So he's going to, he's going to have a completely different financial life. He's not going to retire at 60. I mean, if he wants to, he can, but he can work and be healthy probably into his eighties. Uh, he is going to see, I think life become interplanetary. I think there are going to be people living and working on Mars, uh, by the time he's 50, that would not surprise me at all. If you look at the scale of what SpaceX is doing, they're putting out like a ridiculous number of rockets and all that. I mean, the, the, it's going to happen. It, you know, it's just a matter of, uh, of time. So that's going to be amazing. He's literally going to see people on Mars and he'll probably be able to talk to them too. He'll be able to tweet at them if he wants. That, that's going that's yeah. to be interesting. Interplanetary right Starlink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. It's going to be um, Wi-Fi up there, not Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's going to learn to leverage artificial intelligence to have access to a new kind of way of thinking. Uh, I think right now I'm pulling different ideas from my brain and from my memory and putting it together. And I, I think he's going to potentially be able to think and communicate with people in different ways. Uh, and I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. Um, 
and it may happen to us. You know, there, there's a decent chance that we live long enough to see some of these interesting things happen. He's not going to ever need to drive a car if he doesn't want to. It's all going to be driverless. Um, he'll have the option to. People will still want to drive because it's fun, but he won't need to. Um, so that'll be cool if he wants to read a book instead of having his hand behind the wheel. I mean, you know, that, that'll be an interesting, you know, kind of change. And I don't think he'll have to work in the same way we do. I think a lot of, um, a lot of manual labor jobs, a lot of um, trucking, a lot of uh, you know those kinds of things will be taken over by automation, and so I think more humans will be focused on creative jobs. They'll be artists. They'll be um, Instagram influencers. You know, <laughs> not too many of those, but <laughs> I think it's going to be a really different kind of world. You brought up a great point with the AI stuff. So, like, you know, synthesis schools, for example, with like SpaceX, uh, Elon, all the guys that are, that are creating that. Have you thought about, you know, putting him into that at early stages just to try to have him thinking more logically and more adaptive than say your conventional school stuff is going to do for him? You know, so it's funny. I, um, I shot the uh, founder of uh, synthesis school at DM, uh, last month and I said, Hey, my son's, um, three, what's the age where I should jump into this and uh, what should I do to prepare him for this? Cause I definitely, it's for age seven and up. So I said, um, and for, for you guys who don't know, they, um, it's from the, the SpaceX team. They basically created it. I think it's called Ad Astra. It was like a special SpaceX school. And that was like part of the team that created this new AI tutoring system and teaching and, and all this stuff. It's, it's fascinating. Um, they, uh, they're going to be a really big deal in the education space in a couple of years. I think they're going to disrupt some interesting things. And, um, you know, I think by the time Lucas is seven, he's going to have a pretty good AI tutor who's going to be able to teach him some really interesting things. And it'll, I don't think it'll be as good as having like Jeeves, you know, who's there, you know, well, Lucas, well, <laughs> let's yeah. learn about the Roman empire, but it's, it's going to be really good. So anyway, so I DM'd him and I said, what should I do? And he laughed and he said, wrestle with him, play with him and have fun. You know, basically don't yeah. take school too seriously. The same thing that I was talking about. Don't try to impress on your four-year-old how important it is to learn the alphabet and all this kind of stuff. Cause guess what? They're going to hate it because dad doesn't want to play with me right now. He just wants to force me to learn this boring stuff. That's, that's how you stop creativity. That's how you stop that connection is you try to force your kids to do something they don't want to do. But when you teach them games, when you sing songs with them, when you learn together in fun ways, that's how you get it done. So yeah, he was great. He said, yeah, wrestle, um, play games and have fun and uh, talk to me when he's seven. <laughs> well, I was going to say, there is one thing that That's you funny. can teach him just, you know, cause Spock, you know, he had the whole AI training him, you know, you can just teach him to live long and, you know, he'll be good, you know, give him a little nerd, little nerd sign, little, little <laughs> no. gang sign, you know, early gang sign. So yeah. in Florida of all places. Yeah. Um, so to kind of reiterate and just kind of go back to my question, like, what are you doing creativity, excuse me, creatively to kind of nurture, you know, where you want him to end up? Cause I know, I, I believe I've seen on some of your socials that you guys do like, you know, stargazing and, you know, all that stuff. Do you guys have like a telescope? Is there things that you're kind of doing since you live in a local place like your SpaceX? Like, can you kind of go into that a little bit? I take him to rocket launches whenever I can. Kim was kind of mad at me last night because it was like 8.30. It was a little past his bedtime. And I was like, we've got to go. This is a Falcon Heavy. You don't get to see these very often. He's like, all right, fine. So we drive him to the beach. There's nobody there. It's like empty. It was unbelievable. I thought it was going to be packed. And we pretty much had the place to ourselves. So um, we got on the beach. The moon was bright and incredible. You know, So we were playing, watching that. He got to see this amazing launch. And uh, 
I'm just trying to fill them with wonder and excitement and, and love for learning, you know, and yeah. I'm very guilty sometimes of doing the opposite and saying, Lucas, you have to do this. You have to learn in a certain way. And he shuts down immediately. He has no interest. He's the most creative, receptive, loves to learn, loves to read. All kids are. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. We all do. We all do what you just described. No, mm -hmm. focus on this, do this or stop, stop messing around. And we shut that down. And honestly, yeah. I look at it later and the stuff that I'm mad at him for is literally him learning to like get better with his hands or like, yeah. you know, he'll be the, the Nick Freitas situation. He'll be in the kitchen messing around, trying to learn stuff. And uh, I'm telling him, you just made a mess. And literally he was about to learn how to like, you know, cook something. And, and I took that away from him, you know? So, uh, yeah, if there's a lesson I can, you know, teach myself and teach other dads, let your kids go make the mess and learn and clean up after him later. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> you know, if the house yeah. is a little messy and it takes I, you five minutes to clean up. That's, that's them learning and, and leveling up and their yes. little neurons fire. Let so, them be, let them do it. Well, and it's, it's really, we have to train ourselves to, to be comfortable with a temporary, you know, mess and that's really what it is it it's just our own personal need to like keep things orderly or whatever right that's what that's what actually takes over and so it seems almost like an innocent good thing and it so quickly turns into then we we go like so you know puritanical about you know put your things away or whatever and it's like well okay but you kind of just missed a big opportunity right and i'm super guilty of this all the time but oh, i know um, yeah. yeah what i was gonna say is i will uh layer in the video of that launch that you've been describing. Oh yes, please do right now in this episode. So as we're talking, you can see it real quick. I'll mute the sound on it, but that way people can see what you've been describing and kind of what your son gets to see all the time at such a young age. It's super incredible. I mean, I remember as kids, right? Like us growing up here on this, how many launches happened in our lifetime? Like a few, you know, when we were kids, Not a lot. Like, yeah, that's it. It was like one every maybe five years <laughs> you know? if that, and a couple of them then. didn't go very good. So, um, yeah, nowadays it's like Lucas is just looking up every other day, boo, 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 rockets. And I mean, we, we were there to visit you for what, three days and we saw a launch. So it's, it's pretty insane. Yeah. I checked my phone and I was like, guys, get out of the pool. Go, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Ran, got to the front and got to see the rocket launch. And it, it is the, the truth that, I mean, one man can really make that much of a difference. I mean, I, if you guys remember just a couple of years ago, the Russians were doing our launches to get to the uh, International Space Station because we didn't have the capacity. NASA had literally lost the ability to get to the space station and we had to beg our Russian friends to get them up there for us. And, it, you know, SpaceX allows us to do that ourselves. And I mean, that's, that's amazing. It's uh, it, it really is incredible how just one man can change the course of history. We see this over and over. There's this argument is like the great man theory versus like the, it was going to happen anyway, you know, concept. And I firmly believe that if the, you know, 12 founding fathers, uh, of the United States hadn't gotten together in a beer hall and decided we're going to, you know, make this, these crazy ideas. We're tired of paying taxes on tea. Our lives would be very different. Uh, and there's, there's, there's some providence on that. Uh, providence. There are more than 12. Yeah. But you know, like the main guys that kind of did, did most of it, but uh, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing that, you know, someone put those people in that place at that time, none of them could have done it by themselves. And they all, you know, it, it really is interesting when you look at history and you say, how did these people end up in this situation at this perfect time. And I, I don't think it was, if it hadn't happened like that, there may not have been another opportunity for that happened later, you know? So yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's, it's cool a powerful see. thing to let your son see, you know, and not actually just history happening, but seeing a man like Elon and knowing that he can 
have the same effect on the planet that one other man had. That's a powerful thing to, to show a, a kid, Hey, anybody can make a difference in this world if they just try hard enough or they do the, you know, do what they dream. So I think that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And one more follow-up to your question. Storytelling is so powerful. So when I, yes. when I try to explain stuff to Lucas and I say, okay, this is how it works, blah, blah. He zones out. He's gone. <laughs> he has no interest, right? But if I weave it into a story and I say, uh, his favorite character is a guy named Bob the Scary Dragon. I don't know why. I think I was like really tired one night and I was trying to tell him stories and it was Bob the Scary Dragon. So that's his favorite character. So if Bob the Scary Dragon uh, needs to learn how to drive a car, well, then, uh, you know, he's going to challenge Lucas the Brave Knight. Um, and, and, you know, I'll just weave these kind of silly stories together. Uh, but that, that's how I teach him lessons really well. And then I forget that. And I go back to lecturing, boring dad, and he doesn't listen to me. I get mad and I'm like, why won't you listen to me? And then I remember let's, let's tell some stories and let's make some fun out of this. And then all of a sudden, you know, it comes back. So there's little tools that, that I'm learning that are just incredible for, um, you know, for, for teaching and for, for keeping your kids interested and excited and creative. I definitely, I think I went through a phase when I was a young man where I was not very creative. I just, I, I was A, B, C, or D. I was very good at, okay, the answer is B, got the Scantron, got the answer. There's no creativity Scantron. in that. It's, it's a, I'm so old, I know. <laughs> no, me too. I mean, yeah. yeah. Bad Back memories. Yep, yeah, the hanging chads. <laughs> uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about, uh, telling stories and allowing your kids to, to figure stuff out on their own. Because if you try to lecture and force a kid to do what you say, it's not going to work. It'll, it'll have the opposite effect. They'll just hate you. <laughs> you know? So have some fun with it, be creative and um, let them find their own answers. It's amazing. He'll tell me these, these answers to things. And I'll think about it for a second. I say, That's really creative. Where did you get that from? I love that. You know, so I learned from him quite a bit too. And that's, if you as a dad are open to learning from your kids, we don't know everything. He's, he's taught me so many things yeah. uh, and that's just going to continue leveling up as he gets older. Well, it's an entirely new interaction you have, right? This is a new role you've never done before if it's your first child. So mm -hmm. if for, you have to learn new things and they're not maybe teaching you with their words, but th that interaction forces you to learn. So speaking of stories, uh, you've mentioned that your grandfather played a huge role in your life. Um, I'd like you to tell a story about um, an amazing experience you have with him or, you know, just something that really jumped out. And it's like, hey, I've, I've remembered this rest of my life because it taught me a good lesson. I remember the first time my grandfather taught me to play tennis. Uh, he's, he's the reason that I'm very passionate about tennis. He played... Um, college baseball for uh, Michigan State University. And um, so that was his first love. He still collects a bunch of baseball. He talks about times he met Ted Williams and Joe DiMaggio and all that. He's obsessed with baseball. Um, but as far as his, his close second, number two, and something you can play with one other person as opposed to meeting 18 guys, <laughs> you know, it's uh, a little bit easier to teach your, your grandson how to play tennis. So he got me out on the court and he has, just has this incredible way with kids. And he's still the same way with Lucas where it feels like his patience is infinite. Um, you know, I kept hitting balls and knocking him out of the fence and, you know, really didn't know what I was doing. And uh, he just took my hands, put them in the right place and showed me what to do and taught me and, and got me through the motions. And I mean, I think that was more valuable than a hundred tennis lessons. I, I just immediately 
leveled up and you know, I mean, I have pro points, <laughs> you know, like I'm a really good tennis player now. So, uh, you know, he was able to give that to me at such a young age and I'll, um, I even, I, his voice is in my head sometimes when I'm, when I'm playing matches, you know, I think of some of the things that, that he said to me. Um, and so that I'll never forget the, that special, you know, moment where he took that time, you know, to really teach me to, and I think he's a big part of the reason that I love sports so much, the, the competitive element to it. And the, um, uh, it's, it's like art for me. It's a form of like physical poetry. You know, it's, it's a really, um, it beautiful is. feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, again, that, that feeling of excellence, you know, knowing, okay, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. This is something that most people can't do is, is, uh, a really special feeling. And so I'll, I'll never forget that he gave that to me. So good, man. Yeah, well, I, um, I've got the question that we ask every dad, so I know you know it. But um, what is either like that core memory or that favorite memory that you have with Lucas since you've been a father that just really stands out to you? So my favorite time with Lucas, and we've heard this from a lot of dads before, is bedtime. Uh, it's when they open up. It's when they're starting to get a little bit sleepy. They're a little more receptive. They're a little more huggy. I, I could hug that kid all day. It drives him crazy. He's like, get off of me, dad. I'm tired of you hugging out. And so, you know, he just kind of naturally snuggles into your arm a little bit while you're talking. And, uh, you know, those, those moments where you see him get so excited about his book and, you know, you're reading the story to him and, he wants to tell the story because he remembers some of it. And so now he's telling it and you're telling it together and you're, you're hugging each other and you've got this, this love and, uh, you know, that, that's just magic. Um, I would do anything for, I would, I would lay my life down for that kid in a heartbeat, um, because of that, that love. And a lot of that, a lot of that's a bedtime. <laughs> it's a really special time for a lot of dads. So if you're, if you're skimping on bedtime, you're missing out. That's, that's the time right there. It's that's magic hour. I, I love, love those bedtime stories. That is awesome. Well, listen, man, it's, it's hard for us that have had dads our entire lives to relate and to, to empathize on a deeper level. But I know from you having that personal experience, what advice would you give um, other men that are, that are coming into fatherhood without having a father in their life, um, what would be like the first steps you would give uh, for them to start healing and growing to be the best dad that they could be for their kids? Recognize that it's okay that you don't feel 100% whole. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a different, you know, kind of environment. Uh, I honestly, I mean, I kind of told myself, you know, for many years, you know, everything's, uh, it's not any different. You know, I just had a slightly different way of growing up, but I, I didn't miss out on anything. And, you know, there was some defense, you know, to that as far as, uh, you know, having some self-esteem and feeling like, you know, there, there wasn't anything I missed out on. But, but I think recognizing that I had an amazing childhood and I had a childhood that was better than probably 99% of people growing up. So I, I'm not resentful. I'm very happy that I had the childhood that I did, but would it, were there some pieces missing? Yes. And so recognizing that, that you don't have to be resentful or sad because this can go the opposite direction where you say, oh, I'm sure. broken permanently because my dad wasn't around. No, you're not. You're going to be okay. Your mom did a great job. You know, you've got some challenges ahead of yourself, but 
there's nothing wrong with you. You're, you're just as good a person as someone who had a mom and a dad around. Uh, but you've got to work a little bit harder to, to fix some things that you didn't see because what you modeled and what you saw is, is not going to set you up. If your goal is to have a healthy relationship as a dad with a woman, it's not going to be as easy for you as it was for someone who already had that, right? Cause it was a little bit more automatic for them. Um, so for me, you know, I had to pick up books. Um, I had to, uh, learn from, I had to find those good models and relationships and, and do my best to learn from them. It, it was, it was a journey for me. Um, yeah. and so if you're, you know, a young father or, or someone who, you know, didn't, didn't have your dad around and wants to, you've got to go on that journey. This is your spirit quest, <laughs> you know, get the books, level up, talk to one of us, shoot us a message, say, Hey, um, you know, I, I saw this and I want to learn. I want to, um, I want to figure out what, where should I start? Get some book recommendations from us. Um, I'll throw it into chat GPT and send you a summary. If, you, if you're not a big reader, that's okay. <laughs> you know, get the key points, but you have to work on it. You have to take the time to really learn it. Um, cause if you just gloss over it, it, it won't happen. You have to, um, you have to get obsessed. You have to dive in and, and yeah. learn how to, how to make that happen. Wonderful. Love it. Thanks, man. That's good advice. Um, I'd like to transition a little bit to legacy. So first, first question, you know, how would, how would you define legacy? And then I'll ask a follow up to that. My, my son is my legacy, uh, full stop. You know, what, what he does, um, what I give him, uh, the, the traditions that I pass on to him, the love, um, the, the knowledge, uh, the, the feelings of family, of, 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 of faith, of all the important things that it, you know, it takes to, um, to be successful. That, that is my legacy. And the follow-up is what do you hope he remembers you for? Like way, way down the road, say you're on your deathbed. What do you hope to be remembered for? I hope that he remembers the the good times that we had together. And I hope that he, I don't, I don't think there's any specific knowledge necessarily that he'll remember that I passed on to him. Cause I don't even have my first memory and, you know, until I was five or six, but did all the time that I spent with him matter? It mattered more than it probably will, you know, when he's 20, uh, because it's not the specific pieces of information that you pass on. It's the, it's the love and it's the safety and it's the, the laughter and the play, uh, that I, I think that's what he's going to remember when I'm on my deathbed and he comes and sees me, he's going to crack a joke and say something about my catheter. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I think he's going to be people's elbow. <laughs> yes, he'll bring it in and, you know, the nurses will be like, this is a frail old man. You can't wrestle with him. You know? And I, I think, uh, he's an incredibly playful child. Uh, he's very open to meeting other people. Uh, he has a little girlfriend, which I'm not super excited about. I'm trying to, you know, kind of, we don't use the, look at, she's your female friend. That's not your girlfriend. Okay. We're not doing that yet. Um, but I, I, I hope that that's, uh, that's what he, he has a feeling associated with it. You don't be, Oh, my dad was, uh, you know, had the most popular podcast in the world. Like that's not a big deal. Who cares? You know, just, just cause, but, uh, you know, I, I think those, <laughs> Just manifesting. Let's do this. You gotta speak it into existence. <laughs> yeah. We're just a, we're only a few subs away from that happening. Uh, yeah, just, no big deal. Yeah, few downloads. Only uh, only a couple. 
we're, we're close. But it'll it'll be a um, it'll be a feeling, and it'll be a connection um, that he feels open to speak with me uh, about anything, and he's uh, he wants to spend time with me because he knows that um, I'm, I'm worth spending time with, and that uh, you know there's always a, a good story, a joke to crack, and that um, you know we're always gonna have a good time together. I like that, man. Um, especially kind of just with your upbringing too. I think that that was what I was kind of hoping you would say is having that close connection where he wants to be around you, wants to have that relationship with you. Um, I think that's probably the biggest gift you can give him, you know, based off of your upbringing and things you didn't have that you want to pay forward. That's an incredible um quote Nick Freitas again, like you, you get the chance to just restart the, you know, you, you get to choose how it goes from here on forward, you know? So I just want to commend you two for being so intentional about all this stuff um, and not making excuses. And yeah, you put your foot in the ground and you're just like, Hey, we're, this is what I'm going to do for my son and, and my family moving forward. So it's awesome to see. And I'm, I'm glad I get to be a small part in your journey and, and help you as a brother along that path. But, Beautiful answer, man. Love it. So let's just say um, you don't have time, Dustin, and you have, you know, maybe a week. You don't have the end of your life. What would you say to Lucas or, and what advice would you give to him? Man, I'd, I'd give him the keys to the crypto so he knows how to get to access to it. That'd be number one. <laughs> just it's kidding, IRS. Practical. I lost all my crypto in a boat accident. It's very sad. Uh, <laughs> like, like your guns. <laughs> yeah, I, I lost them. I don't know. It's so weird. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Uh, I would impress on him that he is loved and mm. that my voice will be with him even if I'm not physically here. Uh and, you know, I try to do that even, I mean, if I'm gone for a couple of days to work, I do my best to let him know that, uh, this is my voice and I can still talk to you. You can, you can hear me anytime you want. This is me. I'm here with you. Um, when we pray together, you know, we have those conversations. You can, you know, you could talk to God and in the same way, you know, you, you can have those conversations, um, with your dad. So that, uh, that's what I would impress upon him is this the love and uh, that that voice, you know, is so important. I think, again, you don't remember specifics of when you were three years old, but you you remember the voice. Um, I can I can say, hey, Lucas, from 100 feet away at the daycare and he he knows, you know, he runs and he's he's there for me so that I've imprinted that on him and he's imprinted it on me. I mean, there's 100 kids that could be screaming and I can pick his voice out. That's we- I mean, that's crazy, right? That, you know, because it's all the same, eh, you know, kind of whiny. And I know that's that's Lucas. I can hear him. So that's a, that's a powerful thing for us. We're very, um, auditory people. Yeah. Knowing your father's voice. Isn't that a funny thing when you read it in the Bible too? Yeah. Yeah. So other than your grandfather, who was a, a, a hero that just really stood out that really helped you along that, that brought positivity and, and success in your life. So from an early age, weightlifting has been very important to me. I think, uh, resistance training gives you a kind of confidence, um, a well-deserved confidence because it gives you power that you wouldn't otherwise have. <laughs> That's right. Flex on it. Uh, and so the original, there was Jack Lillane before him, but I mean, the original, the guy from my generation who was weightlifting, who was power, who represented, uh, the, the self-made man, you know, someone who, 
started from nothing and took this huge risk, you know, to, to leave his country. He barely spoke English uh, and, you know, to come to America to pursue his dream, his weird dream of being a bodybuilder. Like nobody was into that at the time. You know, he kind of legitimized the sport uh, and he was the best at it. He, he fought nonstop. He learned from everybody and he still does, you know, he's um, a nonstop learner and he's reinvented himself every, you know, I think part of the reason that I, I think of every decade reinventing myself, you know, I think some of that comes from, from Arnold Schwarzenegger. He, uh, you know, his, his twenties were about and thirties were about being Mr. Olympia. Then his forties and all that were about, uh, you know, being in the movies and being, you know, the greatest actor. Uh, and then it was about politics and being, uh, the governor of California. And now it's about passing on. And, you know, part of his legacy is teaching young men like us, um, how to, how to be a little bit better and, uh, how to do the reps and, you know, how to, how to put that work in. Um, so, uh, he's a very deeply flawed man. He's made a lot of mistakes. He said some things that I know he regrets and I, I love him for that. You know, he I think, owns it. uh, he owned it he, though, right? Definitely. Yeah. You know, he's, um, I think he's repaired his relationship with his kids and with uh, his ex-wife to some extent. Um, and, you know, some of the things that he said out of fear and things like that, he's, he's talked about and said that, you know, he, he's learned from that. Uh, and, you know, I think he's someone who's, there's a lot of crotchety old men who are 70 who don't really have any interest in growing. They just want to, you know, relax and drink and, you know, kind of not do much. They're resting on their laurels. And I genuinely hope that when I'm 70, I'm as interested in life as, as Arnold Schwarzenegger is. I think that's something that I respect about anyone, whether I totally disagree with their politics. I think they're crazy. If they're intellectually curious and they have some desire to make the world a better place, even if it's for totally different reasons. And I think they're a little off in their, um, you know, their ideas about it, I'm still going to respect them. And I, I really think it's cool. So he's someone who is, uh, will never stop <laughs> until they bury that man. He's going to be yeah. out there doing speeches, getting his workouts in. Yeah. Probably looking at hot women, you know, he's such a part of our, our cultural zeitgeist, right? He is. He is. Right. He's, he's an incredible man. Dude, he was like the action hero, him. man. Like you, like you think nineties action movie, eighties action movie. It's like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. There's yeah. a couple other guys too, but like, and then one of the best newsletters right now is, is the Pump Club. I mean, he has the Pump Club where he's encouraged positivity and on the internet, which is such a, a sorely needed thing on social media. And then um, his new book, um, which is "Be Useful: The Seven Tools for Life," is is it's on my my reading list, and I've read the first chapter, and it's it's I'm so excited to finish it. Get, it's incredible. Get, get the audio book, Brandon. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one I would say don't don't bother with the print version. Get the audio because he reads it himself, and it's yeah, amazing. Yeah, He's yeah. hilarious and so awesome. So you get to listen so. to him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. It's it's great. I love it. All right, um, before we wrap, we have one extremely serious question for you. To be very difficult to answer, and I don't think that this podcast can exist without a very clear and direct answer to it. So I'm going to pass it over to Justin to ask you this vitally important question. Oh man, I don't know how I'm going to ask this, but uh. What's your best dad joke? Okay. So there's two men on a rooftop bar and they're drinking together. And the one man says, Hey, there's a gust of wind that'll bring you back up safely to the top of this building. If you jump off, the other guy says, no way. So the guy jumps off, swoops down, swoops back up, lands safely. Says you're good to go. Bartender shaking his head, just disgusted. 
The other guy says, all right, well, I trust you. Jumps off the building, falls to his death. Bartender says, Superman, you are such an asshole when you drink. (laughs) 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 Oh, boy. All right. Well, we got that very serious question taken care of. Indeed. Way to have that one teed up. You didn't even hesitate. (laughs) Good work. I was Um, ready. Dustin, any final words of wisdom that uh, you want to impart on any of the dads out there? The most important thing you can give your kids is your time and your presence. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be the best dad. You don't have to be patient or wise, but you just have to be there with your kids because that's how you build that love and that trust and that foundation. And nothing can replace that. You can't buy them gifts. Um, You can't get them a nicer house. You can't take them on more expensive trips. Uh, that might matter to us a little bit as older men. I used to think it mattered. I took a lot of those nice trips and I spent a lot of money on it. It was cool, but none of that feels as good as a book that I got for free from the library that I sit down and take the time to read with my son. And it doesn't matter to him whether the toy that I play with him is a hundred dollar toy, you know, that I got, uh, from some cool company or, or whether it's, a cardboard box. <laughs> One of my good friends, a fellow dad, he's got four kids. Um, Jay Osborne, if you're listening, hey, buddy. Uh, he gave me an amazing piece of advice after Lucas's first Christmas. He said, the best thing that he's going to remember the most and want to play with after Christmas is the box. <laughs> I said, what? what are you talking about? <clears throat> and then sure enough, the next Christmas, my son has shoved his toys into the corner and he's playing with the wrapping in the boxes for like an hour. <laughs> Back to like, that creativity, man. <clears throat> he's yeah, my right. daughter cuts them up, man. She makes like forts for her stuffed animals and everything out of all the boxes every time. Yep. All the time. It's amazing to watch them. Their minds. Yeah. So less yeah. is more. Don't get them that fancy tablet where they can, you know, <clears throat> watch movies and have all that, you know, get them the most analog basic stuff and they'll figure it out themselves. And I guarantee you they're going to learn more from that than they will from, you know, whatever cool fancy electronics you get. Thinking logs and mega blocks. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Joe's. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Great piece of advice, Dustin. So uh, before we wrap, I just want to say thank you for sharing your story, man, being uh, transparent. Um, you know, you, you've been through some some difficult things and some very painful things. So I appreciate you sharing those on behalf of other people to, uh, to learn from you. And, uh, I just from all of us, the growth that we've seen in you too, just doing this and, and your commitment to, um, really walk in the walk, you know, to put your money where your mouth is, so to speak is just awesome. Um, you know, I think, I think you are definitely one of the most intentional dads I know, um, and really pouring yourself into that. And so it's, it's really inspiring to see, and it helps keep us working hard as well. So love you, man. So glad you're on this journey with us and, uh, contributing to the podcast and with your story as well. And, um, yeah, man. So this will close it out for Dustin's story. You can follow him personally is he's real big on X. That's, that's his place to find him. So what's your, what's your handle at X Twitter Twix? Yeah, the Twix, exactly. Uh, it's at Dustin the Dad. Dustin the Dad. All right. Yeah, you're you're all over there posting all the time, right? So <laughs> yeah. if you want to get a hold of Dustin, that's probably the best way to do it. Um, thank you for listening. We hope that this helped. And uh, enough talk, dads. Let's get climbing. 
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Present Fathers Podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Spotify to catch all of our amazing episodes. We will see you in the next one.